All right. So happy weird holiday week. Um, not for all, but for some in here, I, I know my international clients catching up on the recording. It's like business as usual, but um, it is a tricky time of year. At least this kicks off kind of a tricky time of year for us, right? So hello, hello. I have my chat open here. I want you guys to keep being chatty all throughout today. Um, but I didn't even pre like take notes ahead of time. I can't talk right now. Take notes ahead of time on today's call. I really wanted to ask you in the chat and then open it up to you guys to uh, ask questions here when I saw you to really just keep it kind of like a group coaching lesson today. Um, there were a million topics I could teach, but I think as things start to get a little crazier, even if you're not doing anything at the end of the week, like not having work all week the same way, like it could just kind of throw us off. So rather than teaching something that you probably, you might not even utilize until next week anyway, we're going to address your concerns and stuff like that. Um, on the festivities. So, okay, let's go back to the chat and see. Okay, so mindset if we have non-hormone friendly foods and how to manage feeling bloated, worrying about pushing back progress. Okay, so that's pretty much the every year. <laughs> that's the fear, right? We have the clients who are to the T, by the book, super strict, which you know, most of you guys know by now, I don't even like super strict because I always worry about it. But even our super strict clients freak out going into the holidays and our clients who are, you know, dealing with binge patterns and our clients who are dealing with self-confidence and all things outside of necessarily like what to eat, what not to eat are also freaking out because they're like, you give me vague steps. How do I manage this eating holiday? So this is going to sound crazy, but the goal is let yourself eat stuff that isn't hormone friendly, but also understand your own threshold for recovery, right? So for me, if I eat something with gluten, and this might not be the case for everybody in here, but if I eat something with gluten, it's not a good day, typically. Like the next day, my stomach is a mess. Um, I my, I get really puffy, really inflamed. I'm extremely lethargic. Like my colitis is pissed off. It's just not a good thing. So for me, something really, 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 really has to be worth it for me to eat it because I just don't want to feel like that. You know what I mean? But there are things like um, I have insulin resistance and I'm a type one diabetic. So taking insulin for me exacerbates my insulin resistance. So the more carbs I eat, the more insulin I have to take synthetically, which aggravates the insulin resistance. So something might be worth it. Like, I'm going to go for the flan or I'm going to go for a dessert, you know, and take more insulin if I have to, because I'm not going to be incapacitated for days after. I'm just going to feel a little puffier, but I know my threshold for that. So I'm able to decide what's worth it, what's not worth it, because I'm allowed to eat. And I want you guys to feel the same way. You're allowed to eat whatever you want. It's just about choosing the effects that that thing has on you and understanding and saying, like, how much do I really want of that? When you make the rules, you end up eating less than you think you're going to eat. When you are trying to avoid overdoing it, you eat more at the end of the day. It's like this reverse psychology that our brain does where binges will happen or it'll turn into justification in other areas. And all the while, you're not mindful of just what it is you're enjoying or what it is you're eating. You know, we end up eating more to compensate. 
or we have this dedicated window where it's no holds bar during this time. It's literally just a binge. But if you're allowed to taste and try and eat whatever it is you want, and it's not like the forbidden fruit, you know, the forbidden window, this is all that you have to eat. You know, there are no sins committed in this time. No, that still counts. You know, like you can eat all night if you want. You don't have to pigeon yourself into this or pigeonhole yourself into this little window of allowable eating time. You know, a lot goes into it. And it's really just about like, if you just stop thinking about it so much and you had a little bit of it, would it be okay? Would you just manage fine from there? You know, so really just bring it into focus to be like, is the stress compounding around having a few bites of pie really worth it? Just eat the pie. You know, it might sound weird coming from a health coach, but it'll just manifest in other ways. So my problem is I keep eating because I don't want the taste or flavor to go away. Then I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, I definitely get that. That's why I'm saying try to slow it down as much as you can. Because also when we have that forbidden window where we're like trying to stock up while we can, we want to experience that flavor so much. We don't want to be the first ones done, you know? Um, but if you remove all that, then it's on your terms. And then second to that is, I'm trying to think like when I, I love bringing desserts to places. I bring, people think I'm generous, right? And I, I mean, I am, I like to be generous. Gift giving is my love language, right? But I'm not going to lie. I bring that stuff there because I want to eat it because I want to be able to not have to think about portions. I don't want to have to think I ha can only have one slice of pie. I can only have one blah, blah, blah. So if there's something that I know I want to volume eat, I bring my own variation. I just bring enough for the class, you know, like I bring enough for everybody so they can enjoy it too. And it doesn't seem like I'm bringing my own Tupperware of stuff. It seems like I'm just bringing a dish to the potluck and I will just be hovering around that dish more than others probably, you know, and I look forward to holiday cooking because it can still be absolutely delicious and not have to make you choose between not being able to continue eating and feeling sad or feeling like I'm not allowed or any of that stuff. It's just about outsmarting it, if that makes sense. Not sure my threshold yet, so it feels intimidating. So then I know it's going to sound crazy. Anticipate just having a couple days after where like, you're not doing anything. Like you're just resting. You're putting comfy clothes on. You're not looking at mirrors. You're not weighing yourself. Not that anyone should just be randomly weighing themselves. But like those, that's the day you don't F with yourself, you know, like, or two, three days, whatever. And then document how long that takes. You know, now try to start figuring out your body rather than trying to, no, I'm not saying that you feel this way or assuming it for you, but like, rather than feeling like, oh, I just, you know, I don't want, I want to avoid feeling crappy. I don't want to blah, blah, blah. Like if you're going to have to go through it, use it for information. And now, you, you know, this illness, you can't control it. It's going to be here. It's going to affect you. Now you start to try to find the data and see how long this, this flare might take you to recover from based on what you eat. You use that as data and it won't be time wasted. It's, you know, one dinner, one day isn't going to be the difference between any of us getting a six pack, you know, that ship has sailed for each and every one of us. So, um, just keep that in mind. You know, it really is like, eat a little bit, see how you feel, eat a little bit, see how you feel. If you feel like crap for two days after 
keep note of that. Make sure you're able to rest, recover, you know, see if there's anyone else you can tag in to do stuff those days, or you make a deal to just be less productive those days and just treat it as like a whole holiday, like a resting holiday, you know, if you can, if not, text me. I already noticed my worth it moments have increased a lot. So I struggle between it's good for my mental health and I'm doing it too much lately. Okay. So I don't consider food. I don't eat foods that cause me to have symptoms and think of them as them being for my joy or my mental health. I think that there is a way to recreate things like, okay, if you want to eat a cookie from this one place you visit once in a blue moon, and it's the only place that makes these cookies and you want to have one, okay, well, fine. But if it's like a, it's worth it because I just feel like it's worth it today because it would be my mental health that would feel better right now. It's the same as just dopamine hunting in the food. So that being said, you can always find a replacement and the replacement doesn't have to be like, a, oh shit, like, you know, the shitty less hot cousin, you know, like. It can actually be like, okay, this is great. I get to have that whole, like I can have as many as I want and I don't have to hold back. Like there's joy in that because you don't have to sit there and scrutinize how much am I allowed? How much is worth it? Am I going to recover from this? You're never, whenever you have those worth it moments, it tends to not be worth it after the fact because then you feel like you have to make up for them and it keeps you on this cycle. But if it's more like a, what do I really want to enjoy and not have to think about? then find a replacement for it. And even if you get through the moment, like I'll tell clients that, and then they'll be like, okay, yeah, but I found out and I realized I didn't even need it at the end of the day. And y'all, if you've been with me for a while, you know, <laughs> I will be like, no, I want you to purposely make a batch of sugar-free cookies just to offset that no that you told yourself or that moderation that you told yourself you needed to have. You know, like all of that stuff just sets us up to not feel like we're in control of our, our decisions. You know, it sets up for binges. And you've heard me say this before, a lot of you, that there's the Hollywood binge, which is like crying into the tub of ice cream in a closet. But that's like a very rare and niche binge. It's just kind of fat, shamey Hollywood, you know, doing what they do with binge eating. But binging can look different. It can be different quantities. It's basically whenever it's not like you feel like you're using the food for something else for power, for punishment, for reward, for a Band-Aid, for hope, you know, for a lot of things that we use food for. So I think that's a good point is what's a worth it moment and what's a worth it now because this is the thing that'll make me the happiest. And in the long run, screw over. I think, and that's that's why I love, I love substitutes. I don't, I hate portion control. I hate having to think about um, what's the word? Moderation. It is my number one binge trigger. It will make me aimlessly eat things that I don't even enjoy. It's just this silent, like rebellion, right? I like to volume eat when I'm in the mood for something. Um, you might see my, what I eat in a day and be like, you don't eat a lot. I eat like six eggs in the morning. I put eggs in feta, but I'm not eating like a little, like, like I make like six eggs and a good amount of feta. Like I like to eat a good quantity of stuff, you know? Um, even if, my variety is very um, much on the spectrum. <laughs> so, okay, let's see what you're saying here. Um, I feel like I can barely eat any foods without feeling bloated. I don't know what foods are my actual problems. Susan, I think when, especially for those of you who are coming in kind of 
you know, you're newer before the holidays, this is going to feel like a really annoying time for you because, but I want you to focus on allowing yourself to enjoy the parts you can about the holidays, because that's really what it is. We're going to have to deal with this stuff, right? But as long as we can feel our best while we're dealing with it, as it gets better, it makes the long journey ahead of figuring out all this whole puzzle of, of what the hell we're going to do. It's so overwhelming when we think of the big picture, but if we break it down and into the moment and just feel like we take it head on the stuff that's not so pleasant that we can't help. And we try to embrace, I know this sounds very like toxic, positive, but while we're doing all the work, we got to try to make the meantime feel tolerable. So trying to find foods that you enjoy. And I know that's what you're saying. You're like, I don't know what I can and can't eat. We'll get there, but try to find foods that don't barrel you over, <laughs> you know, trying to um, eat things that you enjoy the taste of knowing that they might barrel you over. At least you enjoy the taste of them, you know, comfy clothes, comfy routines. When you get home, low pressure for the first, you know, for a few days after, you know, you're, you're eating differently than you're used to just being kind to yourself reminding yourself you didn't choose any of this you're not like you don't suck because this is happening to you you know like it those are the only things we can really do while we're trying to sort through the whole big puzzle because it sucks that it takes a long time and holidays come and go as the, as we're trying to figure it out and it feels worse every year sometimes you know but at the end of the day because you don't know what foods are actually your problem the only thing that you can focus on is just trying to self-preserve through the holidays as much as possible. Try to, I don't know if that's vague or if it helps at all, but just try to cut yourself some slack and do what you can and what you know does help you, you know? Okay. Um, yes, I usually have a worth it moment when it's not something I can really recreate. It's like something special, but I find more of them in the holidays. Okay, gotcha. Or when I'm on my period. So when I have a client that's telling me that stuff, I say, we got to kick up the decadence factor on your substitutes then, because you basically want it to become like, in, especially during the holidays, you want it to be that like the replacement's so good, it almost, aside from like the sentimental stuff, you know, but like the replacement's so good. The other thing, it's almost like not as good because you have to think about it, you know, um, and I can text me, I can definitely help you troubleshoot like easily. It doesn't, you don't have to be recreating no, like, you know, uh, was it like milk bar in your house, <laughs> but I can help you come up with that. Um, I think my problem is that we have traditions try to, you know, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I like the, the challenge, like recreating traditions is fun because even if you bring the thing you recreated, and even if you have like, some like okay words let's say you bring I'm trying to use like a real example okay greek cookies greek easter cookies i love greek easter cookies like greek easter food is just ugh, next level and all of their like savory stuff is pretty hormone friendly but greeks love their sweets everything is like has so much honey they're cook they have cookies that are just like enrobed in powdered sugar not that all that different i think than variations we see like holiday cookies and stuff but for a long time oh and they make this bread called sudeki which is like a greek easter bread it's like i think i've recreated it before it's like sweet kind of um it's a little bit more anazetti than the like italian easter bread if you've ever had that but anyway 
Um, these are very niche specific things and they're very gluten containing, carb containing, sugar containing things, you know? Um, and I love them. So for a while I was like, it's just worth it. I'm going to have some, I'll suck it up. I'll deal with it. And what I found was the back, like the fallout from it. I hated it so much that I was like, could I recreate some of these? And I looked at it as like a fun challenge because if I could figure out how to recreate it and get it written down in like my ADHD friendly way on like a note card or something, I would know what I was making for Easter from now on. And I didn't even have to think about what they had there. I could bring my own tray and be like, here you go, guys. Enjoy. You know, and I made some really, really shitty cookies at first. Like they were, they did not come out right. I made a really crappy loaf of bread, like and I went to culinary school for pastry and it was awful. But then I found my recipe, right? And now it's like, I could have the regular kind of cookie, no matter what, like if I want to, I will sometimes, you know, sometimes one of those, you know, gluten worth it moments is if I'm trying someone's authentic Greek cookies that they're like grandma made, I want to know how they made it. So I'm still going to have one. I'm still going to enjoy that one, but I'm not going to leave it as, okay, I'm good. I had one. I had my fix. That's all I need. When really mentally, I want to have like six of them. So having the substitute sometimes for me, it also helps as like a backup so that it turns off that binge chip that might like linger and turn into something else down the line to like supplement it for volume with something that you really enjoy that is sugar-free or that is gluten-free or whatever it is, is your most important concern. Sorry, I don't know why I needed to explain it that way, like so complicated, but 8.30 is a, a new slot for us that we're getting used to. So, okay. I make the desserts for Christmas, nervous to make hormone-friendly version for the family and potentially be criticized, might make two versions, the friendly and unfriendly, yes for sure. Especially, um, I've done that because like, especially if you're dealing with like old fashioned people, like my father-in-law will not try anything that I make. And it's not like, I mean, it's like super disrespectful and insulting, right? But it's not intentional. It's not like, it's just, it's not even just him. It's like a lot of older people, older ethnic men. I don't know what it is because it's throughout our Nick's family, my family, they're like that. They like won't try what you make. It's very bizarre. If Nick's mom tells him like, try this, he'll then try it, right? So, and we're sitting here like afraid to tell people we can't eat gluten without getting the shits, you know? But anyway, um, so my point, my point is I don't rock the boat a lot of times if I'm trying to make something traditional, I will make it the normal way and then I will make it another way and I'll still make a good amount so like people could nosh and pick on it too. But um. I don't, I don't have it be re replacing that because I don't want the attention from that. And I get that. No, you know, you read the room. So I agree. Um, but that then triples the work and stress. Only if you think about it that way, right? If you're just replacing the sugar in one thing versus the other thing, or you're replacing cake mix, regular cake mix in one thing with the, the Duncan Hines keto cake mix and something else. Um, try to find a recipe that can be easily just swap outable, um, and just swap out the thing that you're trying to replace for your baby steps. You should be early on in your program though, miss. So don't be skipping no adding any random baby steps you don't need. You might just enjoy your regular holiday. And as we get to work, sorry to call you out, <laughs> but you know, don't add more steps to yourself. Don't worry. Like just stick to your baby steps at a time, one at a time, 
as infuriating as that might sound. It, it doesn't get us results any quicker to cut it all out, you know? Text me though, if you need help with, yes, mom, <laughs> tell me, text me if you need help um, converting recipes, but remember, stick to your baby steps. So, okay, let's see here. Worried about not overeating sweets is there, that is one of my struggles. And that's why I'm telling you the, the hack for like Duncan Hines keto cake mix and cookie mix. So easy. I got the chocolate chip cookies. You can do swerve, uh, a bunch of stores have that now too, you know, but I got the cake mix, um, chocolate chip cookie mix. I made it according to the box and I added crushed up cranberries, uh, pistachios, lemon, uh, orange zest, and some sweetener, like some stevia. Mixed them up, used an ice cream scoop, popped out a bunch of little ones on a tray, done. Took five minutes of work. They're so delicious. Oh, and I had uh, pumpkin pie spice too. So crushed cranberries, pistachios, orange zest, pumpkin pie spice, added it to a box mix. You know, so I think the issue is like, don't be afraid of replacements. Like don't, like, this is going to sound, have more confidence. You know, that sounds really like, I understand how hard that is to do. So I don't mean to sound flippant and suggesting that, but don't be so afraid to make really yummy things for yourself that don't happen to have whatever it is, sugar, gluten, whatever, because there's so much crap out there now to make it easier. It just feels intimidating. But I think that adds to part of feeling like there, there's the food that's up on the pedestal that I, I can't have. And here's the, here's the, you know, swill that I give myself. Of course, it's going to feel like, like awful, <laughs> you know? I have a hard enough time making stuff my husband will eat that I also that I also can. Holidays are even more stressed with that. I feel like whatever I'd make would probably be just for me. Well, I think challenge accepted. I want to work on this because I've had plenty of picky husbands. Um, now, granted, different situations. I've been. I have also met my my matches before with the picky eaters. So I'm not saying I'm all knowing, but I love a challenge. So. Text me some favorites and I can probably come up with a hack or two. Um, I do like a challenge. So let me know. Okay. Um, and my goal is whenever I come up with these, it's again, less work. I don't want it to be a million bowls that you're using. I don't want a million steps. I don't, I'm not going to continue sticking to things. And I mean, I went to culinary school, you know, like I know the fancy ways to do it and I have no interest in doing that. So um, my favorite is when I find something delicious that people are like, that's it. So he would be your challenge. Okay. I am ready. I love it. Um, okay. Now to do, I say overeating in general, we might not be comfortable sharing our journey with the people we are spending the holidays with, or they may not, might not understand why it is difficult for us. Who else is worried about having random opinions at the dinner table. Oh, let's see. Afraid of the table talk. Yes. When people like to ask about your diet. Yup. Oh my God. This drives me nuts. I'm like in 2023, we're still talking about what we're eating and why. Like, come on. Don't we have more interesting things? I mean, maybe depending on the table, we want to stick to the food, but you know, like, honestly, I, it's the worst conversation because it feels like you have to defend yourself for some reason to people or like, eloquently describe something that will shut down any argument or additional input. And it's like so overwhelming, right? 
So my favorite, favorite canned response is, um, I'm just eating what I want to eat these days. People are like, what? And then when they get outraged, be like, I'm not saying I'm eating like Krispy Kreme all day long or like McDonald's only. I'm just, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. Like, just be vague, be vague and then change the topic. Don't include anyone in your journey. I know that sounds crazy, but it's not, you know, like if someone's genuinely interested, like you, then, you know, that family member, you know, their intentions are different. They, maybe they're pulling you to the side. They're, they're like, they're not judging you. They're like genuinely interested. Then you decide for yourself what you want to share. But if you're on like a friggin', if you're on display in conversation or it's like, as you're eating, if you're uncomfortable, then you don't have to be on your toes to think of some wonderfully eloquent response on what you're doing. You don't owe that to people. You can ask them to just like, you know, just give them something vague and then move on. And they should understand what you're getting at by doing that. If they keep circling back, you can say, I just don't like to talk about what I'm eating. Can we talk about something else? It's not very interesting. Just divert, divert, ask them a question about themselves. Ask them how their work is going. People, insufferable people love talking about themselves. So just turn the attention back on them, on them in a good way, in an inquisitive way, most people will just go right along with the conversation. It's it's sad, but it is the truth, you know? So, and if they're like super, super obsessed with what you're eating, laugh it off. Just be like, oh my God, I've never had someone care so much. <laughs> you know, like you basically want to make them feel weird. Like I'm asking you to leave this topic alone. Like it's okay to do that. You're not bad for doing that. You know, if there's like a ton of family drama that makes you feel like that like you're terrified at the thought of saying that to them text me I can help you I'll walk you through it you know but you don't have to be mean about it you know you don't have to be like uh, hurt about it you don't have to show vulnerability you can just be like yeah I just would rather talk about anything else like so how are the girls doing like how are how's tennis how's your fifth husband you know like whatever just move on in conversation um unless you want to discuss it, you know, you possess that agency and that power. So, um, I'm trying to think what else people could ask that would be annoying. Um, did you hear Sammy snoring? That is him in the background. If you can hear him, but he's so loud. He's on his little poof. Um, what else? So if so, I mean, does anyone have people who ask like medical questions and stuff? Oh, let's see. My parents were doing the grocery shopping and my dad mentioned my fancy diet and said, I'm not doing a, and I said, I'm not doing a diet. Yes, Becca. Yes. So funny. Like what's, what's fancy, <laughs> you know, just oh. so many people have so many predetermined notions about diets, about what people are eating, what they should be eating, what they shouldn't be eating. And if everybody's different, then who is an expert besides us on our own, you know? So um, the kids convo is always frustrating. It for sure is for sure. So if somebody brings up <clears throat> kids to you this holiday season, I'm trying to think like how I would handle it. I would probably just be like the situation's pretty deep, but we'll update people as you know, anything new happens. Or, you know, people, it's been the tradition, like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm sorry to hear, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, us too. So thank you. And then let it get awkward. Like, 
I can, I say, thank you. I'm appreciative. It's not like I'm trying to let it get awkward as a punishment or anything, but if you're worried about expending energy to not make it awkward, you didn't ask for the situation to happen the way it is. You didn't ask to be asked about it at a party, you know, even if the intentions are good. So you're certainly not required to be this amazing on your toes person that knows how to not make it awkward. So if it ends up being an awkward conversation, sometimes just let it be that. We get so much anxiety trying to prevent awkwardness, but there's multiple people contributing to that awkwardness, you know, and guess what? Every single one survives it. So if a situation presents, you know, I'm not putting my that pressure on myself to know the best way to respond to it. I'm just going to be as vague as I want to be in the situation, you know, thank you so much. So, you know, um, we had a family party that was kind of like that, like it got brought up a couple times and it was, it was the same. I was just like, you know, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, you know, do what we got to do. And then one of us was just like, okay, so, and then, you know, either broke apart or continued conversation, but what are you going to do? You know? Um, I definitely get asked how I'm feeling medically. So hard to set boundaries with my grandma, whose name is literally Karen. Um, so I think it depends on, there's a couple of things here. One, you could take the bold approach. And I always say, you don't always have to be the pleasant patient. You know, you don't always have to be someone that's like wearing their pain in stride. You know, if you're having a bad day and you're not feeling great, you can be like, you know, taking it one day at a time. I'm not feeling the greatest right now, but I'm here. You could be as honest as you want to be. You know, again, you possess that power to let people in as much as you choose to let them in. Um, now, if you don't, if it's not within your character to be like, I'm feeling fabulous. I'm so glad. Let's do some cartwheels. Like, don't do that, <laughs> you know? But if you don't feel like being vulnerable in that moment, you can just be like, things are going well. And then ask them a question about them. And it, like I said, most of the time it works like a charm. We say health is the new politics for sure, because I think people just feel like it's appropriate to discuss. It's like it's buzzy. It's it's like in our faces at all times. It's not supposed to seem polarizing, even though it is, you know, but it, it like escapes that feeling of inappropriateness. But it is highly inappropriate to discuss somebody else's bodily health and and everything going on with them, unless they want that conversation, you know, like to have it a completely unwarranted opinion about your health. I mean, you don't even want that from a doctor, right? Like you don't want them to walk into a doctor's office and have them pass judgment on you. You want just the facts, get in, get out, get it done with it. So why in our social situation, social environments, would we want to discuss our health as if it's like so deeply interesting with other people? It's just weird. It's a weird phenomenon, but you know, we get through it, I guess. So um, someone mentions dopamine hunting. I, dopamine hunting, like I was saying, make the um, make your alternative version. It doesn't have to be the same exact thing, but sugar-free. That's easier a lot of times. But for example, I had somebody, I was talking to a client today and I said to them, do you prefer like pudding type of stuff or cake type of stuff? And she was like, I like more pudding type of stuff. So long story short, the suggestion I made to her was like, make a really good whip topping to add to these like muffins that she was making where it was like sugar-free Cool Whip, sugar-free pudding of choice, mix it together, freeze it. 
Is it the same exact thing as they were having that night at the party or that they're planning to have? No, but like that really excited her. She could have as much as she wants of the Cool Whip. Like she's excited to put that on those little muffins that she got. You know, she's using a box mix for, um, and it just is like easy and done. And she could have as many as she wants. And it, it might not be an exact replica of the other things that have sugar and carbs and all that stuff that she's trying to avoid, you know? This is where my growing up diabetic really shines. You know how many, you know how many like <laughs> turds I had to turn into sunshine in the dessert department throughout my entire life, you know, but let's see. Uh, I feel like most people don't care to hear how we feel after we eat certain foods. Bingo. They act like it's just, we, it's just that we overeat and that an autoimmune disease can't cause those feelings with our bodies. Husband included. Yeah. That's the hardest thing when you're, <sighs> ableism ableism is really difficult because there's a lot of people that have different intentions like they don't intend on being ableist but ableism is is when the person who does not have to deal with the issues that you deal with is telling you about the issues that you're dealing with you know and and that is like one of the most frustrating things with any invisible illness with any illnesses that have weight gain or hair issues or skin issues you know it's like it just leaves it open fodder for people who don't go through the same thing you know like if you don't know what it feels like what are you making comments but everybody feels entitled because i don't know why they really just love to think that it's all in our heads but i mean why why would it all be in our heads you know like and I think eating certain foods, people assume like that's all you eat or like, but really you should be able to eat a cupcake on Thanksgiving or some stuffing, you know, and be fine. That's not some, like you shouldn't just be living on celery because you, that that's what you're destined to do. Like that, we could live on celery and still be having these issues. And people don't understand that when they don't go through that. And it's just... It's really frustrating. Well, the only thing we can do is just build up that strength in ourselves to be like, no, I believe my reality. Like I thoroughly believe my reality and I'm not going to fight my body because the only thing I got in the, you know, that has my back at the end of the day, cause I'm still kicking, but it's definitely very hard. And it takes a really takes the fun out of the holidays. A lot of times. Um, worried about saying no to hormone unfriendly foods in front of others and later having them in private. Well, listen, if you know you're in a very deeply toxic environment and that is not the time to really be flexing your your like anti-diet muscles because you're still, you know, you're worried about it, you don't want to be triggered by it. There's nothing wrong with saving stashing a little bit for yourself later knowing you're doing that. Like the difference is I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. And then the plate comes in the room with you because then that is a binge, right? But there's a different power in saying, I don't feel like dealing with these people. So I'm going to save myself a little bedtime snack. That is enjoyable. That is planned. That's something you're looking forward to. You're making, you're, you're really putting your best interests in mind there. And it's not about saying no, that's, that's not automatically you being in your best interests, you know? So there is, there's a subtle difference there about kind of, again, reading the room and seeing like, you want to be preserve a little bit, you know? And if you know that there are some triggering people around you and you're still working on stuff, give yourself that permission to just do it your way this holiday season, you know, and you don't have to think about anyone else. Um, <clears throat> I would totally agree. I've dealt with that before where family has been like, wait, I thought you couldn't eat that the worst. 
the worst. Um, and it feel it, it like feels like they're judging you for it. But I just also want to remind people how weird that is. Like, why? Why are you inventorying what I'm eating, what I'm not eating? Why are you why do you care so much what I believe is good for me or not good for me? So honestly, in those moments when I've been called out like that, I'm just like, yeah. And and then I wanted to have a piece. So I'll probably pay for it later. And if they make comments about it, I will, I've even gone as far as to say, why does it bother you so much? Why does the amount of food I eat concern you? You know, and it's always been like with annoying cousins that are just like, you know, making little commentaries. And I don't say it like, why does it concern you? I'll just be like, wow, I don't know. This really interests you. You know, call out the fact that it's bizarre. It It is bizarre when people are like, watching and observing what you're eating and what you're not eating like ew go think about your taxes or something like leave me alone so they're annoyed that they made something special i was navigating not eating it and then did it for a moment i think i said nope i'm not i'm sure i'll feel like trash tomorrow but it's all about balance and reduction where i can yeah and you know you don't even owe them that you'd be like yeah well And laugh it off. And because it, it makes it a weird situation if they, they're like, but no, but no, you said, but you said, because then you could be like, whoa, I had a bite. <laughs> like, kill me, you know, like people are so bizarre. Um, and not for nothing, like, I don't like get overly mad when my father in law doesn't eat the stuff that I make. Like, if I'm inviting people over to dinner, and they don't eat anything that I make and they sit there and not eat anything like that is insulting, but like, I'm not that one. That's like, eat it, eat it. I made it. I made it. You must eat it. Like I, I cause I hate when people do that to me. I have food aversions. I have a ton of health issues around foods. Like I don't want to insult anybody. So I hate when people put me on the spot to like try stuff and you have to be that guy. That's like, Oh, I can't have gluten, you know, like, and it just makes you sound like an asshole, no matter who, no matter how much you're not an asshole, I get it, you know, um, so like, I, I try not to do that to other people as well, even though I always want them to try my food deep down, but I understand if they don't, you know, oh, wow, thanks for paying such close attention to what I eat, <laughs> yeah, no, truly, like, thanks for letting me know what I ate, you know, um, it feels like I can barely eat without feeling bloated and bad. I don't know why that's what we're working on. I mean, it's hard because it's, there's so many individual reasons that go into it from person to person, you know, um, reducing inflammation is the number one overarching thing that lets your digestion work the way it needs to. Um, if you're taking a lot of antacids, I suggest not doing that. I've been saying this for years. And it's finally coming out more. Oh my God, we're so over time. I'm so sorry. Oh wait, no, not by that much. Okay, we'll wrap it up soon. But um, I've been saying this for years and I'm so glad it's finally coming out. If you have acid reflux, that's from your body not having enough acid. I'm not saying like 100% of the time, there are outliers here, but majority of the time, it's your stomach's response to not having enough acid is to pr produce a ton of acid to compensate. Kind of like if you overwash your face a lot and then it gets greasy as a response from being so dry or like your hair, if you like really, really, really agitate your hair all the time, like you produce a lot more oils and stuff. So 
It's like, if there's not enough of something, the body compensates with a big burst of it. And then that's what people experience as acid reflux. They then take antacids, which continue to make all of the in-between daytime acid counts like lower and lower. And then your food doesn't get broken down as much. That causes issues. So there's so many different things that can cause you feeling just gross after eating and it not being broken down properly. Different medications that could affect it. Um, different um, motility issues. So like your like how you swallow, how your food passes through your stomach, you know, all of that stuff can affect it as well. Um, I have GERD and it's definitely that. Tums don't even work on me. Yep. And a lot of the other meds cause mineral deficiencies. It is, so increasing stomach acid tends to help a lot with that. Uh, you could try, I feel like you told me that you've tried this before, but you could do a diluted shot of apple cider vinegar or lemon juice in the morning, you know, do equal parts, water for lemon juice, water for apple cider. And you might want to actually start a little bit lighter than that. I would do like a tablespoon of the apple cider or the lemon juice in like, like four ounces of water and then drink that when you first wake up. And then little by little, if you feel like it's getting better, you can have more of a concentration. Text me if you need me to break that down for you again. So I hope that, I hope this was helpful. Oh, wait, I got one more. I've had unknown food allergies and intolerances got tested and has really helped me start pinpoint my bloating and bowel issues. That's huge, but I always want to say it's specific. I think we talked about this, that the panels that you got were like the right ones. Um, a lot of the at-home food tests, a lot of the um, general food intolerance tests respond to what's in our blood, which might not be what we're allergic to. It could just be an indication of us eating more of those things and they, they're present in the system. So it reads as a, as an intolerance, but it's just because it's like something we're eating a lot of. Um, I forget the names of each, but if anybody wants to know the difference between the two, text me and then I'll find the official one at a different time when I'm fully awake. So, but that can definitely be a big, a big, big deal. Like um, if you don't, if you, certain allergies won't cause an allergic reaction, certain allergies will just not let you digest it. So that could definitely be a culprit too. Um, H. pylori, they're testing me for that next appointment. Yeah. You know, and not also something, if you guys are having uh, gut issues, it's called mastic gum, mastic, like M-A-S-T, I'm just going to type it in the chat. You can get it on Amazon. Oh, sorry. Direct message that everyone. So it's mastic gum. You can get it on Amazon. Um, it, it doesn't have to be the gum itself. It could be just like a powder that comes in a capsule, but that's really good. If you're worried about H. pylori, if you're worried about gut bacterial stuff and things like that, it's been used for literally ever. Of course it's Greek. Um, you want the ones from Island of it's a type of resin from a tree and it's supposed to have really 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 great gastro um properties i have it here for whenever my stomach is acting up as well so okay i hope this was helpful i know it was a bit of a mixed bag but i hope that you guys took away some value from it you know if you have any questions or you want me to clarify at all further on anything we talked about here as it pertains to you specifically, text me. Don't worry, you're not bothering me. I love problem solving and I love 
I love a challenge. So send me your food favorites, you know, um, and enjoy your night, enjoy your holiday, you know, the rest of your week. Um, yeah. And I will catch up with you guys next week. So bye.